The following audio session was recorded live at the 2017 Region 2 Convention in Costa Mesa, California. Please visit oar2.org for information about the 2018 convention in Sacramento and to get links for more convention recordings. Thank you for listening. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Okay. Listen to that beautiful quiet. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Restless, Irritable, and Discontented Workshop, also known as the Houston, We Have a Problem. My name is Karen. I am a compulsive overeater. Hi. And I am your moderator slash speaker, one of three, uh, for this workshop. Please, let's take a couple of deep breaths and then uh, the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Before we begin, we ask that all... Can you all hear me? They said to hold it at my heart. If I hold it at my heart, you should be able to hear. Is that true? Cool. So you get to hear me and my heart. And the same with these fine ladies. Before we begin, we ask that all cell phones or other electronic equipment be turned off. Even if you think it's off, please check again. Don't turn off your pacemakers or your insulin pumps. You need those. Um, that's for you, baby. <laughs> okay. The opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. OA members are reminded when sharing to speak to your recovery in the program of Overeaters Anonymous only. To protect our anonymity, no photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed. Photographs can be taken afterwards. No, okay. If there, if there, that's not true. If there is press in the room, please do not take any unauthorized pictures or identify anyone by using their full name. There will be audio recordings of this workshop, which you may order outside in the foyer, actually over by registration. So if you like what you hear and you want to hear it again, or if you zone out and miss it and want to hear it for the first time, like I do sometimes, go ahead and, and get an audio recording. David will take good care of you. This workshop will have three speakers followed by Ask It Basket questions. Oh, the topic for the session is, I already told you, restless, irritable, and discontented. Uh, <clears throat> and there are three of us speaking, and our first speaker um, is going to tell, her, tell you all kinds of wonderful things. Um, and uh, she'll be speaking for 15 minutes. Welcome. Thanks. I'm Alice. I'm, com- Alice. <laughs> I'm Alice. I'm a compulsive overeater. And, oh, gee, thank you. <laughs> um, and I came into program in Pasadena, and in Pasadena we pass pictures around. So um, that, those are my pictures. And 
The short version of the story is I never felt like I fit in. I always felt different. I never felt good enough. I was a perfectionist. I was an eight-pound baby, so I, was, I feel like I was fat out of the gate. Um, but I thought if I got thin, I'd get married, and then it was going to be okay. Um, and um, there's a picture of my wedding. We got married on a boat because I'm Catholic and I married a Jewish man, which made my mother, my Catholic mother, irritable, discontent, and whatever else. Um, and uh, then we had two kids, which just, well, there aren't super young people in here, no offense, but um, <laughs> uh, I, I had... Um, two pregnancies and gained and lost 30 pounds with each pregnancy, which I still think is a real big miracle for this compulsive overeater. So I came in here and I did what they told me to do. I'm pure and simple. And um, at today, I have 33 years of imperfect abstinence. So uh, here I am, um, 33 years lo- later. And um, believe me, if I could think of a better place to be, I'd be there. You know, this was not my life's ambition to join 12-step programs. Um, and I also have nearly uh, 32 years of sobriety. Um, I mentioned that because I heard about AA from a beautiful woman here in OA. And that was a game changer. <laughs> anyway, um, so I am a naturally glass half full person, I'm a natural cheerleader, I'm a happy person, and I can become irritable, discontent, malnourished, whatever, I don't even know what those three things really are, as soon as I mess with my food. If I eat bad food, I hate my husband, then I hate myself, and that all happens in two seconds. You know, so if I want to be irritable, discontent, what, what is this thing? Restless. If I want to be irritable, discontent, and restless, I know, but I, I, at least I've got the three right words. So um, I just have to mess with my food. And I um, have a really bad brain. Um, you know, the speakers last night were magnificent, and um, one of them talked about being a generator of bad ideas. And that is exactly what happens in my head. The difference today, I mean, of course, it's been three decades, but the difference today is I know that what's in my head is not a fact, and I know to make a few phone calls before I act on a lot of the things that are in my head. And I had a sponsor once who told me that I needed SWAT Alice, like rat-tat-tat, like just blow up all that stuff in my brain because it is not my friend. My brain is not my friend. You guys are my friends. (laughs) You know, my brain is not my friend. Um, My brain got me here. My good ideas got me here. And honest to God, you know, 12 years of Catholic school, college degree, successful career, Although for the first 17 years I was in this job, I thought I was going to be fired, but I was a success. Um, uh, and I've been affiliated with that group for nearly, 30, for, th- for nearly 33 years. I retired. They promoted me, promoted me, gave me awards, promoted me, because 
I worked the program at work. That was the first place I really, really worked the program at work. I wrote about people who bothered me, who made me irritable, discontent, and um, restless. And, um, and I ended up making amends to them. And two of them are those two, the snake and Machette. My boss was Michelle. I, I'm so mature, I called her Machette. Um, so you see what you're dealing with very clearly, right? Um, but I made amends to them. And the two of them are extremely close friends of mine today. I would walk through fi- fire for either one of them. So um, where was I going with that? Oh, so, so I retired and not for nine years ago, officially retired with a pension, whole nine, and um, I've consulted with them for nine years. So for the first 17 years, almost half of my existence with this international company, I thought I was going to be fired. So that's an example of my bad brain, right? Um, so I don't know where I was going with that. But um, I... And honest to God, you guys, I'm so grateful that I came out of the gate positive because I have experienced a lot of loss. And um, I think if I really, well, it does, I don't have to think and I can, I can bring myself deep down, down really quickly. My father died when I was 13. Um, my milk and cookies person who was my grandmother died three years later. Um, and our 19-and-a-half-year-old son died a little over two years ago. So I... Wa- and you don't have to say anything to me about that. I just It's just part of my story. Um, but if I wanted to be irritable, discontent, and restless, I feel like I've got a lot of good reasons, you guys, you know? But for me, it all starts and ends with my food. And if I... You know, if I act like a jackass, I have to write a four-step inventory. I have to make amends. I have to talk to people about it, and I don't like doing that. I don't, I, well, I, I like the writing less. I, you know, 30 years ago, I had a hell of a lot more willingness. Um, but it's really, I don't like making amends. I don't like it at all. I don't want to, and, uh, you know, but I have. And I think that's why I'm still here 33 years later is because toward the end of my first year in program, I wrote my first fourth-step inventory, and I gave it away, and I made amends. And so why, where, why do I have to hide? You know, I told people I was taking, I told somebody what I was taking to the grave with me, and, uh, you know, so what? She kind of looked at me and said, that's all you got? I mean, I was, you know, I was 27 years old. I stole a makeup pencil from Bullock's, you know? I mean... <laughs> You know, and I had bad thoughts about, you know, all kinds of people. Um, and I still do. So, um, you know, I'm, what's worked for me in the program is um, page 449 on acceptance, um, Dr. Alcoholic Addict. That story has worked a lot for me. Um, the whole acceptance thing, because for me it's extremely true that what I focus on, I magnify in my brain, and then I am locked on it like a, what are those missiles? You know, I am locked on it, and then it's like search and destroy. But the search and destroy is me, you know? I don't usually act out on my stuff. Um, 
And um, the other thing that's worked a lot for me, very, very, very well for me is page 552. And I think I'm quoting page numbers out of like, you know, the original. You tell me. Third edition, apparently. So, um, but page 552 tells, says, if you have a resentment to pray for the people you resent, pray for their health, happiness, and prosperity. Do it for two weeks. Okay, here's the disclaimer. For me, it's never been, ever been two weeks. It's six months minimum. At one point, I was praying for six pe- five people, five people, and I was vigorously praying for these people because they were making me irritable, discontent, and restless, and I was going out of my mind with them. At the end of six months, and I do not mean to be funny, but it is kind of funny, two of them moved away, two of them died, and I forget what happened to the other one. One of them was my mother-in-law, who I really, really, really miss, Um, but truthfully, my in-laws were George Costanza's parents... With the Jewish tilt, you know, and, um, you know, but I really, really miss those people. So for me, the praying has really worked. Right now, I'm currently praying for five people, and I'm doing it, you know, half measure, shall we say. But it, it doesn't say you have to mean it. It just says you have to do it. So, you know, I'm only about two weeks in with these five, and, um, you know, I'm really not bad-mouthing them anymore. I'm... Um, you know, I've kind of moved on to a new cast of characters. But I still got to pray for these five people because there's still the lingering, irritable, discontent, restless going on. Um, so, gosh, I don't know what else to tell, tell you. I, um, you know, I just, before I came into program, I was extremely irritable, discontent, and restless. I, um, you know, I tell a story about I had to change. I had to eat a bowl of ice cream before I could change the light bulb in my kitchen. I could not deal. I mean, it looked like I was coping. I'd gotten through school. I had friends. I had, you know, um, well, I should say what I was doing before program. I wouldn't call dating, but back then I did call dating. <laughs> um, but I, cu- I couldn't cope. I mean, I was. I just had to eat. Happy, mad, sad, glad. I just wanted to eat. Um, that was. That's my solution. That I mean. That I am the problem, and regardless of what my brain tells me is the problem, the solution is more food. If I have a headache, it's food. If I have, you know, if I'm stressed at work, it's food. And. Um, Today I know to take contrary action. I've always worked with a sponsor. I sponsor people. I'm part of the Orange County Inner Group. Um, so service is a really, really good idea. Um, writing gratitude lists is a really, really good idea for me to get out of myself. Being of service, getting out of myself, gets me out of discontent, irritable, and restless. But I always feel malnourished always malnourished, which I know isn't part of the thing, but, you know. Um, And, um, yeah, being of service, I remember going to, um, you know, being nervous about going to parties or being, feeling like I'm not socially adept, and, you know, I got the direction, go, show up and be of service, 
just show up and be of service. What can you do? What can you add to? What can you do to add to rather than take from? And that has really served me well. At work, I know my job is to make my boss look good. That is my job, you know, and I am a worker among workers and a man among men. And that has served me well. And I have you guys to talk to if I'm irritable, discontent about work. I have you guys to talk to if I'm irritable, discontent in my marriage. I have you to talk to if I'm irritable and discontent with my daughter. Although usually I will tell her, you know, <laughs> what the hell? And she'll say the same thing to me. I mean, you know, so... Sometimes I have to talk, mostly I have to talk to you guys about the fact that she bleaches her beautiful red hair blonde. That's really my biggest problem with her. That has made me nuts for a few years. So, irritable discontent and restless. I mean, it's whatever. Um, so it doesn't take much, you guys. That's also the other point. It does not take much. And, you know... They say that we work a program, and I have worked my ass off in this program, if I do say so myself. I mean, I've written a lot of inventories. Um, I've worked with, I've always worked with a sponsor. I've gone to a lot of meetings. In the beginning, I went to five meetings a week for the first five years. And I'm so grateful I had the luxury of doing that. Um, but then I, I had the goal, get thin, get married, right? You know, flawed plan. Um, <laughs> And I'm just, I'm just really grateful, and I was very irritable, discontent, and restless about the fact that I was in program nine long years before I got married, before I realized the plan, implemented the plan, shall we say. And honest to God, I could not have gotten married one second before I got married, you know. And God bless these men who marry us, I'm telling you, you know. Um, but I don't think I would have gotten, I could not have gotten through so many things I've gotten through. Um, you know, my mom had a severe stroke. My brother and I had a lot of bad, you know, difficult decisions to make. Um, and you guys carried me through it. You gave me direction. You know, eventually I followed the direction. And I have a lot of peace about that whole situation with my mom you walked me through everything, you know, surrounding my son, and you're still, that, that ain't over. That ain't, that is never going to be over, and you guys are still wa carrying me through that. Um, and I'm just, I'm very, very grateful. I don't like the name Overeaters Anonymous. I wish I'd been consulted before, you know. I mean, I would like it to be called something like, you know, kind of sort of a little issue with, some foods, you know, I mean, because I just want to, you know, weasel around at, at, all, at all times. Um, but I, honest to God, there's no better place. And I, you know, uh, really, I'm very grateful that I've got you guys. Um, I do, oh, and the picture, one thing I do want to say about my pictures is there's a picture there of Sister Mary Alice, that's me, and my friend Rabbi Reuben Sandwich, and that's the Women's Sweet Surrender Retreat, and we have a blast. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you. All right, just a reminder, the Ask It basket is going around. Please feel free to write down any questions you may have, and if you'd like them directed at a particular speaker, please put their name on that. If you'd like anybody, you don't care who answers, just put anybody or don't direct it to anybody in particular. 
Um, if you don't want other people to see what your question is, there's a little green basket up here. Of course, as soon as you walk up here and put it in there, that's probably going to defeat that purpose, but that was the idea, apparently. Um, okay, uh, so that's that. Um, and our second speaker is Chris. She's going to speak for 15 minutes. And here she goes. We're going we're gonna to choke Karen in the process. Hi, my name is Chris G. I am a recovered compulsive overeater from... Northern Nevada, Carson City, Nevada. Truly, I'm from here. I'm actually a Long Beach local. I moved to Carson City about four years ago. My husband and I got married up there almost 27 years ago in Tahoe and went to Carson City, fell in love with it, and both looked at each other and said, when he can retire, we're moving. And we did. And and I have to say, I love visiting you guys. You can keep your traffic. Okay, so um, I had these great notes, and I went on to my iPad last night and couldn't find them, so I'm take, I've taken some really quick notes. But here's the thing. I have to tell you the story because this sponsee is not here. She asked me what I was speaking on, and I said, restless, irritable, and discontent. And she said, oh, they know you. And I seriously called Helen and said, okay, I need to 10-step this because I'm really pissed off. And she started laughing and said, Chris, that's not how I see you at all. And I said, I don't really think that's me. I'm a problem solver. I don't like to be in pain. And I'm not going to use drugs or food anymore, food. You know, I'm, I might still consider drugs, because, but I have a major addiction brain. So I stay away from those two. So I have to start with my maiden name. And this is what I told my dad when I left his house because he's 82. We just lost my mom last September. And um, it's still very painful. And um, she was not the perfect mom. I was far from the perfect daughter. I've got two sisters that, you know, I do not wish them any harm. And if they were wiped off the face of the earth today, I probably wouldn't cry a lot. And I have to remember, this is being recorded. Not that I think either of them are ever going to listen to this. But um, my maiden name is Moore. And there's two O's in it, because one would never be enough. Um, Thank you for your story, Alice. You made me crack up. Um, You know, it talks in the big book, in the spot about restless, irritable, and discontent, about the ease and comfort that food brought us, and what brings us to that point of needing it. And that we will never get away from it until we find something else that will give us, it says the same ease and comfort, and I've yet to find that. Now, I've been abstinent about 24 years. Just to give you the numbers, I'll give you the numbers. I have a a 45-pound weight loss. I've been in program 35 years. And here's the thing that is great about that. I only have about 24 years of abstinence consistent. Now, I was on a lot of diets in this program before I got that, oh, yeah, there's that God thing. Because the diet didn't work, no matter what the diet was. And I was on some pretty nutritional diets because diets work really well if you can stay on them. I couldn't stay on them no matter what I did. And I remember when I was 16, I was like, you'd wake up in the morning, you'd go, okay, I'm going to eat, you know two leaves of lettuce for breakfast, and I'm going to eat, you know, a half an apple for lunch, and for dinner I'm going to have 
three and a half ounces of some sort of protein. And by two o'clock, I was binging, if I made it that long. I'm a type one diabetic. I got it when I was four. Not a good thing. Not a good thing ever. Was not raised in a spiritual environment. My father's philosophy was, and it still is, that um, there is a God. He's given you all of this. Praise him for everything you have, which is a really good philosophy, except that I'm 54 years old, and it took me till I was about 50 to realize that I needed to know I could also lean on God because I'm this stupid little conniption-fit human being that screams and yells at God a lot. Um, you know, I, I look at the people that say, ooh, don't get mad at God. And my response now is, really? If God can't handle my little conniption fit, then he's not the God I think he is. I always end up on my knees apologizing and making amends and trying not to do it again. Because, see, I have no control over my defects of character. Now, that does not eliminate my responsibility in those things. Just like... I'm a compulsive overeater. I have no power over food. But now that I know the solution, and it's in those steps, you guys, God loved those AA guys' crazy belief systems that some of them may have had in the early, you know, late 20s, early 30s, but the solution works. And it doesn't matter what the ism is, because we all have them. I don't think there's too many people on this earth out there that don't. So... A couple things you need to know. I have about a 45-pound weight loss. I've been in 35 years. Told you about that. Okay. Service. I know we run around saying, service is slimming. Okay. Service is slimming if you're working a program. Now, everybody gets their own program. Everybody gets their own food plan. Don't let somebody tell you everybody in the room is allergic to sugar. I'll tell you right now, the first time I ever pitched, and here we go, Chris is going to disclose. The first time I ever pitched that I had a problem with butter, that I could eat cubes of butter with nothing else, I had a couple people get up and say, wow, that's kind of weird, Chris. (laughs) So guess what? I learned not to pitch it. Now, sugar's an issue for me, but it's usually got to be mixed with some sort of butter (laughs) and flour to hold the shit together okay and I remember my parents were teachers and we got home probably 15 or 20 minutes before they did we were I didn't know I was going to pitch like this okay um we were supposed to be practicing our musical instruments I'm a cellist right okay my sisters would be practicing I would be frying up some sort of flour sugar and oil now I know what that smells like today. I can smell it 15 miles away. I never got caught. They could have come home early. I never got caught. I have no idea how. I had to actually tell them I couldn't stop eating. Sixth grade. God love you, Mom, and I do. You know that. Sixth grade, I came home and said, I don't know what to do. I can't stop eating. And my mom said, what will the neighbors think? And I wanted to turn around. I mean, I'm 12 years old. I wanted to turn around and go, I'm not telling the neighbors. I'm telling you. My dad had a little bit more wisdom at that time, and my mom got it, you know, later. It's just, you guys, this is a devastating disease all the way around. People say, well, Kai, you came from such a successful family. Yeah, I'm successful. Alice, I'll tell you how to not get fired. 
you become a real estate agent, so only one client at a time could fire you, and you're still in the business. And that was my fear. That was one of the reasons I got into it, because if I was going to get fired by Carolyn, Vicky might not know that, and she could still hire me. I very seldom got fired, you guys, because I'm a hardcore worker, because I was constantly in fear that I was going to get fired. It's just the way our brains work. We're never good enough. We're all that or we're nothing. Restless, irritable, and discontent. Here's the ease I have found. It's an onion, and it keeps being peeled. And the way I have to calm myself down is by believing that the last peeling doesn't happen until I take my last breath in this realm. And I got news for you. I have no idea what the next realm looks like. I, for me, know there is a higher power. And I can go to that higher power. I call God with anything. I also have a sponsor and several previous sponsors. I've been in 35 years, you guys. I've had four major sponsors in that time. They all have been fabulous to me, have all taught me wonderful things, taught me how to sponsor. I mean, I had a girl come up <clears throat> at the Serenity Retreat one year and say, will you be my sponsor? I hear you're kick-ass and you'll just, you know, beat me up all over the place. And I went, no, I'm sorry, I'm full. You're going to have to find somebody else. I don't want to be known as a kick-ass sponsor. Well, I, kick-ass is okay, I like that. But I want to be known as a sponsor that gets to the gut of whatever's going on. Because that's the only way we get through this program one minute at a time. I want to be out of pain. I'm not, I'm not willing to use non-good ways to do it. So when something causes me, and with me it's more emotional, I, the best way I describe myself to people is this. I feel like an uncoated nerve and food coated it for, you know, two seconds. Is that what she said? Yeah, two seconds maybe. What I think is that the spiritual realm here, whatever, you know, I heard somebody talking to um, one of the speakers yesterday and she said, I, I, I don't know what my higher power is. Sometimes it's my sponsor. Sometimes it's the group. And I only have five minutes. So I'm going to now give you the five minutes of what I'm doing today and the solution. When I first started out, it was, you know, I could call somebody and go, wham, wham, wham. And they'd say, okay, breathe. And, you know, most of them probably said, look at the big book. But I didn't do that for a long time. I study that thing now. I study it with my sponsor. I study it with my sponsees. And... There's these cute little apps out there. They don't cost anything, and I think they cost 10 bucks if you want the whole shebang, and it's 10 bucks once, not 10 bucks every year. They're a 10-step app. Now, it's busy. We are in the electronic age. So every day I do at least one 10-step, and if I'm under duress, it's many, and a nightly. And I put huge, loud alarms on my phone that I have to get up and turn off. Not the ones that go, oh, yeah, you have an appointment, because I won't look at it. That say a couple times a day, are you upset? Are you restless, irritable, or discontent? And it takes two minutes. The nightly takes about five. In and out, in and out, in and out. Now I do them very, very consistently. 
and I have so much more peace during the day because that's what it's about, you guys. How can I get peace without compulsively overeating? I'm a volumizer. I want huge amounts of food. I, like, it cracks me up when they say, okay, get rid of all your binge foods. Now, there is a seriousness to the alcoholic foods, you guys. But I can binge on lettuce, just so you know. It would not be my first, second, or 500th choice, but I can do it, and I have. So I was so upset when I was looking at recently, do I need to take some more foods out of my plan? And I was so upset. I was, my sponsor goes, you know, you can bring God into this picture, Chris. Oh, yeah. So here's what I'm going to tell you. If you're new, keep coming back. Find a sponsor that has what you want, both physically and when you hear them pitch emotionally. Don't have a sponsor yet? Not sure who you want to pick? Find a friend that you can just call your food into, email your food into, or call when you're upset about anything. And pray about your decisions. You know, I heard somebody say, pray before you eat. Um, There's a part of OA, if you're looking for recordings, because I have moved to northern Nevada, and you LA and Orange County people have no clue how lucky you are. There are four meetings within a half an hour of my home, and I'm from here. Sometimes there's two people, sometimes there's four people, and in my opinion only, not the kind of recovery that's here. So I started reaching out. I became on the inner, I got on the inner group. They asked me to be a treasurer before I even moved there because I had 20 years at the time. You guys, it, give service. And give service above the meeting level because it is the most loving thing. If, going to world service takes a lot because it's six days. So it's six days out of your life. If you have a family, you have a job, and you only get two weeks vacation, I probably wouldn't do it either. I own my own business, so I can do it. When you go region and then world, you will see what the love about this. Being at this convention, good for you that you have your butt in that chair. Whether you're abstinent or not, something this weekend will change for you. I pray that I've done and said something for you guys. Um, that will help you in your program. And thanks for letting me share. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, our, I was gonna. Our third speaker is Karen. That would be me. Uh, hi, everybody. I'm Karen, a compulsive overeater. And I'll just remind you the Ask It Basket should keep on going, so don't start that timer yet, because I'm doing, I'm doing business here. <laughs> I don't, want, I don't want my time to be taken up by business. All right. Uh, yeah, so, and also about a little, little bit before I'm done speaking, if anybody can figure out when that is, if they'd bring the Ask It Basket questions up here, that'd be great. Um, and if not, we'll get them when I'm done speaking. Okay, now, I'm Karen. I'm a compulsive overeater. <laughs> and thank you very much for your service, Jane. And Eileen, thanks for being the assistant deputized uh, uh, timer. So <clears throat> I decided uh, that I was going to look up restless, irritable, and discontented in the dictionary to find out what they mean. But first, I, what I'll do is I'll tell you that it, this comes from the doctor's opinion, if you didn't already know. It's on page XVI, which is 16 uh, in Roman. 
And basically it says men and women drink, overeat, essentially, or eat, essentially because they like the effect produced by whatever they consume. The sensation is so uh, elusive that while they admit it is injurious, they cannot, after a time, differentiate the true from the false. To them, their eating behavior life seems the only normal one. They are restless, irritable, and discontented unless they can again experience the sense of ease and comfort which comes at once by indulging in their favorite food, uh, which they see others taking with impunity. So I already know that unless I have uh, food sedation or food assistance, I'm going to feel restless, irritable, and discontented. What does that mean? Restless is characterized by or manifesting unrest, especially of the mind, constantly moving. And um, some people have heard the expression, there's a, a committee in my head. Okay, that's part of restlessness. It's not all physical. It's in my mind. Also, um, a friend of mine years ago when I first got into the fellowship talked about, all right, I'm recording, but I don't care, radio station KFUK <laughs> going on in his head. That's restlessness. Sorry, people, if I offended you with that F-bomb. So irritable, I love this. I, you know, I always learned that you never use the word when you define the word, but in the dictionary it says capable of being irritated. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> Such as easily exasperated or excited, response, uh, responsive to stimuli. I am easily exasperated and wound up about things. I can become irritated way too easily. Uh, and discontented, dissatisfied, or malcontent. And malcontent, I love this. This just jumps right in to, to the recovery. A malcontent is one who bears a grudge from a sense of grievance or thwarted ambition, also known in OA language as resentment, in my opinion. So the doc- this is, again, the doctor's opinion tells me that I will stay in this cycle of overeating, feeling remorseful, and resolving not to do it again. I overeat, I feel awful about it, I'm not going to do it again. And I keep doing it, I keep doing it, I keep doing it. And that's going to keep happening unless I have an entire psychic change. Okay. I, by the way, cannot create in myself a psychic change. If I could, I would have done it long before I came into this fellowship. What I need to do and continue to need to do to have that psychic change is working the steps. And I have to work the steps with another person or persons, not myself, because I uh, am one of the great rationalizers of all time. And I don't say the great, greatest because I don't think I'm the est at anything anymore. I used to think I was, either the best or the worst, either way. But I can rationalize along with the best of them. Like any of us, I'm guessing any of you in this room could come up with the best rationalizations for anything you need to because we're good at that. It's too bad the universities don't offer degrees in that. I'd be <laughs> magna cum laude or summa cum laude or whichever cum laude is the best cum laude. I don't know. I did a cum laude once, but it was just cum laude without a magna or a summa. So I never knew which one was the best and which one was second. I was third. That's okay. So... <laughs> 
anything else can be said. You know what? It's funny. Before I speak, I always go off and I take a few deep breaths and I say the serenity prayer and I ask God to remove me and to speak through me to be of service to him and the people in the room. So I never know what's going to happen except for these notes that I took, and that's all the notes that I took. But I also have, I, I keep this little baby big book with me. This is big book mini, big book light. <laughs> um, it's just the first hundred and whatever pages, and I always keep it in my car, although I am I- I doing a um, step study workshop with a new step study guide or whatever they call it, the, the workshop and study guide, that green one with the spiral binding. Oh, my goodness, it's awesome. We're t- tomorrow night we're on the 11th step, so I've been at it for a while. Oh, my goodness, has it changed me? And I've been, in, I've been coming to these rooms for a little over 31 years. Um, and I started when I was nine. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Okay, I didn't, but I want to say that anyway. I was a little older than that. I was 15. And, no, that's, okay. Um, and so if I could have done all the things that, that it, it, you know, if I could be the way I am now, Without having had the fellowship, I would have done it. I didn't, I didn't want to be a compulsive overeater. I didn't want to have trouble with food. I didn't want to be lonely and miserable and unloved and unlovable. I didn't want any of those things, but that's what I had before I got here. Because I think that when they were handing out that rule book that everybody got when they were born, or that, how to, that how-to guide, I never got it. Of course, now I realize there ain't one, folks. <laughs> and the only one I ever got was in here. So a couple other things I really like in the doctor's opinion that I have underlined from a long time ago is, um, so we have one sim- we have we have a lot of symptoms in common, but we have one in common that is overwhelming: is we cannot abuse food, whether it's overeat or undereat or vomit or whatever, however the disease manifests in you, because we're all different. But we cannot do that without developing the phenomenon of craving, the kicking in, of doing it again, either vomiting again or starving ourselves again or over-exercising again or eating that candy again or eating that butter again or whatever it is. We cannot do it safely the first time because we have this, we have this manifestation of an allergy which differentiates us, differentiates us and sets us apart. We do not react to food the way other people do. We just don't. And um, there was another thing in here that I had underlined. Okay, yeah, here it is. The action of compulsive food behavior on these chronic people, compulsive overeaters, or whatever we are, is a manifestation of an allergy. And the phenomenon of craving is limited to us and never occurs in the average temperate or normal eater. So we're different. And, and I'm trying to, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a sugar addict, I'm a compulsive overeater, I'm a sugar and pizza addict, but I'm trying to be as expansive as I can because some of you may be able to eat sugar with impunity or pizza with impunity. I can't. Um, so we're, we, the, our substance or the way we eat may be different, but we react the same. We engage in the behavior, we want more. That's it. That's the way it works. At least that's what the book tells me. That's not me telling you. That's what the book tells me. Um, I I wrote a couple of notes. There are a couple of things I don't want to forget. One is um, I want to share my socks with you because I'm wearing Gumby and Pokey socks. Just because socks are awesome. I wrote that note. My partner got my, sorry, my fiance. I got to say that now because we are getting married. I'm so excited. Uh, um, Oh, thank you. (laughs) Um, After 16 years together, it's about time, don't you think? Uh, anyway, so, so socks are fun. Um, 
another thing that I think is really important is, I mean, this is still Saturday morning. Come Sunday, you might forget me telling you this, but there is such a thing as post-convention letdown. When you leave here on Sunday and you go back to your lives, it's going to feel really different. So I've always suggested to people to either plan to meet somebody for dinner, for lunch, uh, make a phone call. I'm happy to give out my phone number. You want to call me when you get home on Sunday evening, you can. I'll be at my workshop, but you can still call. Or give me your number, I'll call you. Because it, that re-entry into reality bites. It's really hard. Um, all right, so just in terms of who I am a little bit, I will tell you that, um, as I said, I, I came in uh, in February of 1986, um, I started abstaining in April of 86, cause, uh, at least at that time, because um, I remember one time I, I, I didn't know, I didn't learn this concept of a slip. I didn't know what that was. And I remember eating something, and I wasn't sure if I was still abstinent or not. And I am a person, less so now, but low tolerance for ambiguity. I want the blacks and the whites. So because I couldn't stand doubting, I wasn't sure, I went out and had a full-blown binge. So I would know I am not abstinent because sometimes you just have to know. I don't recommend that, by the way. So I did that in 86. Anyway, so I was abstaining for um, about 12 and a half years, and I started, I, you know, I started to learn some really cool things. Uh, I got active in service very early. Um, I remember being at my regular meeting, and they were having, is that five minutes left or five minutes? Five minutes left. Wow, that's fast. Yeah. Okay. Um, so anyway, so I, um, I became a, a delegate for my meeting, an intergroup representative, because they said there was a six-month term, and I had to go to this meeting once a month. There was only six times, so I could do that. So I became an intergroup rep. And that really was the beginning of my psychic change and my recovery because I finally had a place where I belonged, where I fit in. I would walk into a room and people were happy to see me. That never happened in my whole life. And even more so, I walk into a room and my heart lifts and my, every, my mood lifts because I get to see you guys. Some of you sitting here right now I know and some of you I don't, but every one of you makes me feel great because you're me. And, and you're not bad. Because all my life I was bad, bad me. Oh, God, I have pictures. Here. Forgot to pass them around. Yeah. Nothing about the good throw, though, huh? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've been working on, I, 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 did, this, uh, I did this inventory over three weeks in the 12-step in the study guide. It's a, it breaks it up into three parts, and I kept seeing self-centered, self-centered, low self-esteem, low self-esteem, self-centered, self-centered. Um, okay, so anyway, let me just tell you a little bit more of my history. I didn't know my top weight before I came into program because when I weighed 199, I didn't want to see 200, so I never stepped on a scale again. Then in 1998, my brother was murdered, and um, that set me off into a 10-year relapse. I never left OA. I kept coming to meetings, and I kept eating because I could not stand the intensity of the pain. It was brutal. And then three years after that, my mom died, and, and a few years after that, my dad died, and I, I ate all the way through it. Uh, I maintained, but I ate. Does that make sense? Not maintained weight, but I, you know, I had some mental something, but I was a wreck. So um, in f on February 21st of, 19, of 2008, um, I drove past a donut store, and I had always told myself, I, I, even though I knew I was in relapse and things weren't going great, I, I thought, as long as I'm not buying candy in the aisle as I'm going to the, gros you know, in the grocery store checkout line, or if I don't go to a donut store, it's not as bad as it could be. 
Well, then I went to a donut store. And uh, I got a lot of donuts, a lot of donuts. And I ate most of them before I got home, and it was less than a mile to my, like, several blocks. Anyway, the next day was that year's Los Angeles intergroup birthday party. And so that Friday, I ran into a friend of mine I've known an acquaintance at the time, started talking to her, started crying hysterically. It turns out she's now been my sponsor since then. Um, and I started abstaining on, that, on, the, on the 22nd, the next day. So I'm absent a little over nine years. And I tell you that um, because, well, A, it's the truth in my story, and B... If you're abstaining right this minute or you're not abstaining right this minute, you're in exactly the right place, and amazing things happen. My pride and ego don't like to say, yeah, I'm here 31 years, and I'm only abstaining nine years. I want to stand up and say, I've been abstaining for 31 years, and aren't I awesome, and I want to be the perfect weight, and I want you to think I'm all that. Um, And sometimes I still want that, but I don't need that. Uh, I don't need that. What's so cool, getting back again to this, this topic since I just have a few minutes left, is that one of the differences between now and pre-OA or early OA, when I get restless, irritable, discontented, impatient, cranky, there's a mind reader in the front row because I was about to say judgmental and before I said it, she said it. I hope you're not hearing any of my other thoughts because that would be embarrassing. (laughs) Um, now I know what to do about them. See, that's the difference. I have that toolkit. I have that guide. I have that, here's how you do it. And there is incredible security in knowing that. I have a way out. It's not always easy. It takes courage. It takes willingness. It takes honesty. And sometimes it takes desperation. Because I'm not going to do a lot of this stuff by choice, just because I want to. I will tell you, this again, this, this 12-step study uh, workshop that I'm doing, you know, it's a long commitment. Every Sunday night for 16 weeks or whatever it is, because it's 12 steps, but they break up the fourth step into pieces. But I'll tell you what, I have learned so much more 31 years later about myself and about the world and my, my sponsor, I, 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 don't know, I don't know why I'm so lucky right now. I'm not going to question it, but it seems for now, God has me in kind of a state of grace. Um, I, I have a problem with my neck. My house, we had water damage, and my house is a construction zone. Um, I got restructured out of a job, so I'm unemployed. The f- outside circumstances are, are messy, But I am not worried. I'm not restless. I'm not irritable. I'm not discontented. I'm just taking each day at a time. Because I I know, I don't think, but I know that everything is going to be fine. Because it always is. It always is. And I know that not because of the evidence I've seen in my own life, but the evidence I see in the lives of the people in this fellowship and people that I see. If there's one thing that I would love for you to take away today or this morning, is hope. Hope. Don't give up. Keep coming back. And know that things will get better. You can trust me now and believe me later when the miracle happens for you. Thanks so much. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, it's now time for the...
Ask It Basket questions. And let's see. Oh, this is sweet. Y'all are doing a great job with a smiley face on it. And I'm going to tell you, y'all are doing a great job. All right, this one is for Alice. How do you forgive God for a tragedy in your life? I love a microphone. Um, You know, I've never thought about it that way. Um, When our son died, we talked to three priests. The first two were kind of made it worse. The third one was magnificent. Um, And we talked to two or three rabbis and a cantor. And what I took away from all of that is that shit happens. We have free will. God doesn't make bad things happen. Our son um, made a colossally bad, bad, bad decision. He had no intention of dying, and I I really do believe that. Um, And... When bad things happen, God is there to carry us through. Um, I wish to hell it wasn't, it hadn't happened to us. I don't want it to happen to anybody else. I would not, I, I, I don't wish this on anybody. It's every day of my life is extremely painful. And thank God for my positive attitude, which I know is God-given, right? Thank God for you guys, because without a program, I'd be in a lot different Place. And my husband doesn't have a program. He needs something, but I, I can't pinpoint it, you know, so I can't recommend a program, right? Um, but it's, it's much more difficult for him to not have a program, and he is a glass-half-empty person, and it is a lot more difficult. So, um, you know, I, I, I have never looked at it... Well, I guess initially I probably looked at this thing every which way, but... Um, I, 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 I believe, and I never talk about my faith um, because I feel like it's the size of a mis- mustard seed, which a sponsor told me that's all you need. So I just had keep going with that. And, if, and I think it's a demonstration of my faith that um, I'm still here 33 years later, you know. Um, so I, I think it's just shit happens, and when shit happens... You know, this is one thing I should have mentioned is that um, I was told early on in the program, and and I would like to tell you that there are two women sitting in this room who I know were in meetings the first week I came into program, and that is super cool, right? Um, But I was told, where was I going, crap? Huh? Huh? Oh, what I was told is that there will be some, no matter what you go through, somebody in the program will have walked it before you and will be able to help you. And that has been my experience. I have a few, a couple women, one in particular who lost her daughter several years ago. I call her all the time. We speak the same language. Um, and action has helped because my husband and I have sought assistance. You know, I'm not just sitting around wallowing in the feelings, right? Um, And, you know, there were people who, you know, people have lost their parents. People have lost, 
you know, I mean, we deal with shit every day. The program just helps us deal with shit. What can I tell you? Thanks for the question. It actually says it's addressed to Alice or anyone, so I'm going to go ahead and, and answer it, too, if I may. Oh, you're fine. I just didn't read that before. Um, because I had a, obviously had a tragedy, too. My, uh, my brother's wife was having an affair with a guy, and the two of them conspired to kill him and did. Um, so uh, it was very tragic, and it's... it's uh, <laughs> but it's a good... I like the question, how do you forgive God for a tragedy in your life? And the thing is... I, I really had problems with God when Joey was killed. I mean, who wouldn't? And I remember, I remember one day I was trying to pray, and uh, I got down on my knees, and I was about to say the serenity, pr- uh, sorry, the third step prayer, because I, I did that every morning. And I said, God, yeah, right. And I got up, and I couldn't pray. So um, I talked to my cantor, who uh, my religious, my, my clergyman, uh, after services one night, and I told him that I said I can't, I can't pray, and I can't, and I and I, I thought that I, I know that I didn't lose faith in God because I kept trying to get that conscious contact back, that connection back. If I'd lost faith, I wouldn't have been trying to get that connection back. So he said to me, he used this really cool analogy. He said he used the analogy of a radio. Remember those people? Everybody in this room does. Those of you listening to on the tape, I'm sorry, you may not know what a radio is with a dial that turns. But if you, if you turn the dial, you know, if you turn it too far, you get static. And he, what, what my cantor said is, right now your dial's turn. You're getting static. The signal is still coming. You just aren't getting it right now. So just keep turning the dial, keep turning the dial, and pretty soon you'll get the signal. Um, so that was one thing that really helped me. The other thing is, I could not reconcile the thought of a good, kind, and loving God who only wanted the best for me with the brutal murder of my brother. How do, and other horrible things in the world, you know? How do I reconcile those? Um, what I came to realize and what, what finally made it okay was I, I accepted the fact that there was no way to reconcile it. I just accepted that it's not reconcilable. It's just not. And once I realized that that wasn't going to happen, somehow the, the, the desire to do so lifted. So I never had to forgive God. I don't think it was God's fault. God did give people free will, and there are evil people in the world. So I can't blame God for it. I'm not happy with it. I wish, I mean, maybe God, who knows? In fact, one person said to me, this was so helpful one day, she said, how do you know that Joe is not having a great time wherever he is? How do you know he's not dancing and singing and he's you know he's having a he could be having a great time you don't know that and boy did that make it easier too because i don't know what joey's life would have been if he'd still been here i don't know what tragedies would have been befallen him you know i don't know what would have happened so when i think of him having a grand old time wherever he is it makes it a little less painful for me not that i don't wish he was here but it takes some of the edge off thanks Thanks, Karen. Okay, Karen gave me the one that doesn't have any name attached to it. So this one we're going to pick apart, and we're all going to answer it to some degree. Okay, do, do you do slash think any preemptive behavior thoughts to stop assuming others' motivations or taking others' behavior personally? 
So I may not be answering this properly. If you, if the question is different than I'm um, taking, please let me know. But what I can tell you, all of these questions, in my opinion, go together with, I'm just going to say what they are because it's outside. Um, I follow a somewhat morning meditation. I don't do this every day, but when my head's taken off and I'm taking everything personally, and I don't know about you guys, but I was telling a story about when I started going through menopause and I called my mom and I'm like, okay, blah, 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 blah. And she said, okay, Chris, and my mother never used the F word ever in my entire life that I can remember. And she said, so are you telling me that when people say good morning, you think to yourself, what the F did she mean by that? Um, okay, so I'm, I'm one that I've taken everything personally and if you don't like what I'm doing then I want to fix it because I want you to like me and don't you know you all are supposed to like me and I don't know why you would like me because I'm the worst piece of like this is my husband's favorite thing here's the world here's Chris and I thought yeah the world circles around Chris but Chris is just a piece of shit in the world okay it's the I'm at all or I'm nothing so here's what I try and this is the best I can do with this question Be impeccable with your word. Now, I have a problem with that one because I'm a compulsive overeater. So if I tell you I'm going to eat a medium-sized apple, I get into that store. I'm looking for the biggest effing apple in the display. Okay? But you start by doing it because I'm as – thank you, Chris P. I'm as good as my food is, plain and simple. If I feel okay about my food, then everything else in the day, it really doesn't matter. God, please keep me from tragedy. It really doesn't matter what else happens because if I'm abstinent, I'm okay. But I need to check that out with somebody else because my head's screwy. I may think this amount of food's okay and I may think this amount of food's okay. It's somewhere in between because my head's screwy, okay? So be impeccable with my word. Take nothing personally. What we got to remember about that, you guys, is that whatever's going on with you, if I say blue and you say black, It's our perspective of our previous experience with whatever's going on, not to mention I'm blind, so don't ever trust me with color. Um, Always do my best. Always. All you can do, and your best today is going to be different from tomorrow, and all you can do is ask God to remove the craziness in my head. I can't tell you how many thousands of times I have to do that daily. And assume nothing. Every time I make an assumption, thank you, um, the, oh, God, what was that show? Um, a, a, an, assume makes an ass out of you and me, the odd couple. There we go. And, and I'm telling you, I have lived by that since I was probably seven or eight when I saw it. So, you know, the truth is we're human beings. One of the things I heard one of the speakers say last night is, I'm a human being. I'm going to make mistakes. You're a human being. You're going to make mistakes. I have to be forgiving of myself before I can even begin to be that of you. And I had a sponsee, and I'm just going to say this real quick, and then I'll give it to Karen. Um, I do movies in my head, and they're not positive movies. Because when I'm doing the positive ones, those are the ones on my affirmations that I'm working towards that are goals. And i got to tell you guys, Carson City, Nevada, it was on my affirmation list 25 years ago, and I now live there. So sometimes affirmations happen really quick. More often than not, 
it's because you got to retrain the brain. You guys, we all got the negative brain crap going on. We need to retrain the brain. So every time you catch yourself, what are they thinking? What are they feeling? Oh, my God, do they like me? Do they not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. God likes me. Thanks. Thank you. Hi, this question says, how do you work resentments uh, against, with, for, to a spouse and um, poor health choices? <laughs> um, Okay, so my husband would, could be, if I let him, a phenomenally good influence on me. He, he is a health nut. He works out five days a week. He has been able to fit into the same tuxedo he's had for a long time. Um, and so I've had to work resentments against that because he is just naturally a disciplined, responsible person. However, that's not to say I don't resent him. <laughs> so, I mean, I am not above, like, when he says something or wants me to do something that, in my opinion, is stupid, I, and he turns his back, I'll roll my eyes, I'll... <laughs> Or I'll turn my back and I'll be like, WTF, you know, or I'll turn my back and start saying the serenity prayer, you know. Um, So, and what I know is that what I do is my business, my food is my business, what other people do is their business, not my business, their business, not my business, and it's up to their them. I don't want people messing with me, so I know I ought not mess with other people. And I have four columns, you know, and believe me, I have written inventories about what I, the people I like to call my roommates, you know, my immediate family, multiple times, because, um, you know, for, I mean, I, I hate to admit this, but, you know, my son dying of a drug overdose doesn't make me look good, you know? And that, I, you know, I, I, you know, I mean, and, 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 there's a lot of things, zero, you know, wound up in, in the whole situation. But, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm a big, big, big four-column person, you know? I mean, nothing gets to the truth um, like four columns. And, um I, for me, dishonesty is one of my biggest, uh, that's about my biggest uh, character defect because I make shit up, you know, pure and simple, hence SWAT Alice. So I just, you know, work this thing the way it's written is um, what I've heard in the years I've been coming here. goes back to you. Okay. Um, Okay. Karen, that's me. How to get to the real underlying issues slash flaw when everything seems to be wrong emotionally, physically, spiritually? That's a good, that's a good question. The first thing I would say is, well, nothing is wrong. We are not wrong. We tell ourselves we are. We tell ourselves we need to do things differently. I tell myself my hips are too big. My arms are too big, too floppy. Um, 
Uh, you know, I've been here 31 years and I'm only abstinent nine years. Um, I'm not, you know, working and I didn't, I didn't, I'm, I went to law school, but I don't have this incredible law practice. I don't practice law anymore. <laughs> um, I could tell you so many things that I do that are wrong, but I'm not. We're just so conditioned to tell ourselves that. Um, my sponsor tells me, one of the things that, one of the quotes she likes is, um, <clears throat> I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be doing exactly the right thing and doing it exactly the right way. My very, and my guess is a lot of people out there listening and looking don't believe that, don't believe that about themselves. But why isn't it true? If it's true about me, why isn't it true about you? I don't always believe it either, but right now I do. My very first sponsor, Sandy, way back in 1986 or 87, taught me, well, what she said is she used simple syllogistic logic. You know, if A, then B, um, or if A and B, then C, or whatever. And what she said is, okay, so I, I'm a person who I want to be the best. I, my obsession and my compulsion, I want to be a star. I want to be head and shoulders above everyone. I want you all to love me. I want you all to think I'm the best thing in the world, except for when I'm pretty sure I'm the worst thing that ever happened. But that's part of my nature is I want to excel. And the reason I want to excel is because I came, I came into this world with a near total and complete low, you know, total and complete lack of self-esteem. So the only way that I could get self-esteem and believe that I belonged on the planet is if you told me, however. And I did all kinds of things to get that. Um, I'm not that way anymore. Thank you, God. Even though I still want you all to like me. Um, and I, I, I want to like all of you, which is different. It used to all be about me. Now I want to like all of you, too. I don't know if that's still about me. But anyway, so, um, all right, so because it is in my nature, I always want to be the best. So at any given moment, I am doing the best I can. I strive all the time. Now, sometimes my best falls short of my expectations. Does that mean I'm not doing my best? No. Do I need to change my behavior? No. Do I need to change my expectations? Yes. Because it's, you know, it's, it, there's, you, you can't, we, leopards don't change their spots. I am who I am. I, so, in any case, um, so I am, I am doing the best that I can. But more specifically in, in, in the answer to the question is how do I get to the real underlying issues? It's all in the 12 steps. That's how I get there. I use the 12 steps. I use the tools. I use this fellowship. I use the program. And I will tell you also that I see things now, this workshop I'm doing now, that I didn't see 20, 30 years ago. In fact, I was, I, I, you know, one of the parts of this workshop is before the following week's workshop, you read the, the steps that you're going to be on. And I was getting ready to do one of them. I don't remember which one, and I'm reading the book. I'm doing my homework, and I'm reading the book. And honest to God, the night before, I'm sure, somebody snuck into my house, took my book, and put words in there that were not there before. My, my 12 steps and 12 traditions of AA, my 12 steps and 12 traditions of OA, and my big book get edited all the time while I'm sleeping. How in the world they do that, I don't know. Because I can only see what I can see. The things that I know now, I didn't know before. And I think... Well, I call it God, 
but for those of you who are having trouble with God or higher power, the process of this fellowship makes it so I don't see things about myself until I'm ready to see them. You know, as I said, when I did this inventory and I kept seeing self-centered, 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 low self-esteem, low self-esteem, self-centered, all those things over and over again, 30 years ago, if I'd seen that over and over again, it would have been devastating because I would have thought, God, I am a shithole. What am I doing here? Now I look at it and I see all that, and it's my character defects. Okay, there's, a, there's something I can do about that. I got step six. I got step seven. Whoa, how cool is that? So for whoever wrote this, my personal opinion is there is nothing wrong with you. There is nothing wrong with you. We get to be different by going through this process. We get that entire psychic change so that we are no longer restless, irritable, and discontented. But the critical thing is find somebody or somebody's and do the steps. If, you don't, if I don't do the steps, I die. I overeat. I get to be 400 pounds like my uncle or 300 pounds like my grandfather or however 300 pounds like my mother. And I get, I get type 2 diabetes and I have my leg amputated like my mother and I lose my teeth, and I die. But I don't have to. One of the, and I'll just end with, by saying, my, my fiancé often says, she, she survived breast cancer. We went through a whole hellacious thing for 15 months and, or two years of craziness, and, and she's, it's all behind her now. And one of the things she talks about a lot is, you know, there's so much that I can't control. But I can, you know, I'm, I'm responsible for the things that I can do. Like, I can go out and walk, or I can get on the exercise bike and exercise, or I can um, go to meetings. I can do that. I can do the steps. I can. We all can. So there are so many things that I cannot do for myself, but I can do a few things. So steps, 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 steps. Okay. And in case I wasn't clear, off the steps. You wanted to, answer, you wanted to comment on this? Is that, did I see your hand up? Well, I just had a, please, I just had a um, build on expectations um, because the... Another really quick way for me to become irritable, discontent, and restless is to compare myself to others, you know, because that I'm never, ever going to measure up. And, um, you know, we're all perfectly imperfect, I guess, is the thing, you know. And I remember, um, you know, it's just like, and and what um, Chris said earlier, you know, affirmations, you know, we, I, you know, I had to you know, kiss myself in the mirror and do exercises standing in front of a mirror naked and, you know, just all kinds of disgusting baloney <laughs> that kind of worked, you know. And affirmations work too. And, and another thing I've heard is, you know, um, if you want to build your self-esteem, give out at least three compliments a day because we hear what we're saying to other people, you know. So... Um, you know, at the retreat, we we are challenged to give out a hundred um, uh, compliments over the weekend and a hundred gratitudes. So, there you go. That's all I got. Cool. Did you want to add to that? Sure. Okay. We're giving you your arm workout today. I know. So, you guys, again, this is just—it's a program that works if you work it. You want physical recovery? There's, there's some laws of the universe on a whole. Less in, less weight. More exercise, less weight. 
those are just laws of the universe. We have nothing to do with them except follow them, believe them or don't, but there are some givens, you know. If you jump up, chances are with the gravity, you're coming down, um, which is kind of scary when you get on a plane. But, um, it, you know, you want spiritual growth, work the steps. If you don't know if there's a God or not, work the steps, and you'll figure out the one that's for you. You know, I, I tell people all the time when they ask me what my faith is, and, you know, I'll tell you what my faith is, but... It's an individual faith, because I don't know about you, but there's 7 billion plus people on this earth, and we all have a different personal relationship with whatever that higher power God or entity is. No one, no two people have the same exact belief system of anything. So just know that. It's very, just like this disease is very individualized and general on a whole. We're all here in this room because we are compulsive. You know, the book says compulsive eaters, compulsive overeater. I, I, you guys, I'm a compulsive overeater. End of story, hands down. I don't want a little bit more. I want a lot more. So that's just the way it is. And you got to retrain the brain. And however you choose to do that, because whatever you're telling yourself is what you're going to get. I'm fat, I'm ugly, and everybody, everybody what was my, you know, the, the song about the, the worms? Everybody hates me, nobody likes me, guess I'll eat some worms. Okay, you know what? Everybody loves you, and if they don't, they just don't know you well enough yet. That was awesome. By the way, the person who wrote that question about thinking everything is wrong, I would love it if you would um, come and give me a hug after the meeting or let me give you one. And let me give you one. Okay, so that was all the questions, and it says here, uh, if there are not enough questions to fill the time, you can open the floor for shares on the workshop topic. I will tell you, if you share, you need to speak into the microphone, and subsequently, you'll need to sign a release saying that it's okay that you're being recorded and your voice will be out there in perpetuity, which means forever. (laughs) Or has anybody thought of any questions since then they would like to ask? Anybody want uh, to ask a question or to share? We're going to keep talking up here. I knew you wanted to. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Okay, I didn't really, but it sounded good. No, I need you to come to the... Oh, actually, is it a question or a share? Then I need you to come to the microphone, please. Well, I don't, but we need you to. So I will stall until you get here. Not going to do that tune because I don't like that one because we're not a game show, even though that's the one we always do. Okay. Hi, I'm Marie. Hey, Marie. I'm Joy Marie Kelly. Joy's the name the Lord gave me, Marie's the name my mother gave me, and Kelly's the name my husband gave me. (laughs) And I'm happy to be here today with my friend Sally and see a lot of my friends here that I see on a regular basis. That's a blessing. I just want to say that I've been in recovery program since I was 12 years old, because my mother had a problem. Her problem was different than mine, but I, I picked up hers because it seemed like the thing to do, right? You know, So she drank, I drank. And then she ate, and I ate. And then when she was sleeping, I ate. And I stopped drinking. And eventually, I continued eating. And eventually, I got very fat. And eventually, I found OA. So I've been here for a long time. I've been half of my life in OA programs or 12-step programs, and I'm just grateful to be alive and healthy. I get all kind of good reports from my doctors. I'm 
68 years old, and I'm planning to be here for another 20 years. That's probably enough because my husband may not stay that long either because he's older than me. So you have to just hope that you get to stay alive, be healthy. We walk every day. Uh, sometimes we go to church on Sundays and don't walk, but most of the time we're very active people. I'm always doing something. I'm a writer. I'm an artist. I'm a painter. I'm a, I've done everything I could think of to keep myself out of trouble so I don't eat. And, and that's the thing. You've got to find things that excite you, even if it's just writing. I write every day. I write, Dear God, blah, 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 blah. And he says, Dear Marie, now listen. I've told you this before, and I write it all down. And that's how I got my book, Art and Faith from Suffering to Serenity, by writing every day. So is that enough? Okay. Thank you. I have lots of names, too. <laughs> Just my last name? I won't use my last name, but... Um, my name is Eileen, <laughs> and I'm a compulsive overeater. One of the things I do when I go to Starbucks is I use different names everywhere I go. At El Pollo Loco, I'm Elena, because they can't spell Eileen. At Veggie Grill, I'm Sweet Pea, because it's full of vegetables. And usually at Starbucks, I say the worker's name. <laughs> I'll say, oh, my name is also. That's my name, too. And it's kind of fun. I need to find fun in my life, because I am rid all the time, which is restless, irritable, discontented. And I want to get rid of the rid. And the, the way that I do that. Well, the way that I should do that is to use the tools. And what I notice is that I'm often unwilling to open the toolbox. And I know the tools are in there. I went to the meditation this morning, and I have been a meditator for many, 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 many years. And I learned something new, and it was very easy and something that I could um, do anywhere at any time. And I'm really grateful for that. I'm really grateful for this panel. I'm grateful for the people that are here um, if any of you want to do service, I'm part of security, and we have some openings, and so just see me afterwards. Bye. You can stay there. Hey, everybody. My name is Lynn. I'm a real compulsive overeater. Am I able to turn around, or should I just come this way? Okay. Okay. So it's really good to be here, and thank you so much, all of you, for everything that you've shared. It was an amazing panel, and... You know, and, and I like particularly like looking up the words, you know, and, and for me, that restless, I have this self-talking, judgmental, repetitive mind function that tells me all the time with great authority the way things should be. And I believe it because it's my voice. So why wouldn't I, right? And, and I need my sponsors and my fellows in recovery because they can see it. And I'm so appreciative when I go to meetings and it's like, what's this reason I come to Overeaters Anonymous if I have the solution that are the steps? And it's because I can't reveal self, does not reveal self to self. You know, I need somebody to, to mirror it back and, and for someone to be able to have the honesty to expose their compulsive eatingism to me so I can recognize it in myself and get treatment for my illness, which I was just talking to, I'm working with a lot of newcomers right now and, and, and some people that have come back and to be able to show that cycle, you know, oh my God, I'm restless, irritable, discontented. And then I will succumb to the desire again if I don't have something different. And that for me, um, one of my most powerful prayers for me is God protect me from my mind. You know, that tells me I'm not okay. And think, and also thanks again for that, you know, I am okay right now. I am okay right now. No matter what my mind tells me, no matter what even people on the outside will tell me, like, oh, that's a terrible situation. It's like only if, only if I tell myself it is. You know, I had to have a breast biopsy a couple years ago. And, and even in program, you know, 
the support was amazing, but there's that thing of like, you're going to be all right. I'm sure you're fine. And to be able to really feel like, you know, my job is to not, not have breast cancer. That's not my job. I don't have, you know, I could do all the things I can do to, to promote my health, but I can't, you know, it, I can't say I did a bad job not getting breast cancer. You know, that doesn't, that doesn't work. What I can say is God protecting me from my mind of those expectations that, you know, who am I, me, me get breast cancer, me have, I thought they had MRIs on my liver, me get the grandiosity that comes along with that of just, God, give me the humility to be a worker among workers, not be the one, the, the, the person that I feel like I've read one somewhere, like the boss that's been assigned to the wrong job, you know, like, oh my God. And that's such an uncomfortable place to be when you're a worker among workers, but you feel like you should be the boss. And that's what I get here is in with a power greater than self, I have to be, you know, relegated. It's term relegated in the Premier League. We use it all the time. You get relegated down to the Championship League. But, um, I need that. I need to be relegated all the time to be the worker among workers and be the willingness to apply these spiritual principles in my life. That's what I need. The steps are a set of principles, spiritual in their nature, when practiced as a way of life for me, my experience has been, expel the obsession to compulsively eat and make this suffer happily and usefully whole. And that's the, uh, the 12 and 12 of Alcoholics Anonymous. And that's what I'm going for is happily and usefully whole. Because if I'm restless and irritable and discontented, I am very quickly near the first compulsive bite, which had me hating everybody, eating at people, you know, I'll show me, you know, <laughs> eating at my husband, eating at my friends, you know, F you guys, you know, <laughs> and uh, I, I hate, I don't want to be that today. I don't want to, I'm so grateful to be here. And there's a timer somewhere going off, I'm sure. So. <laughs> the timer in our head. Hi, my name is Helen. I'm a compulsive overeater. And uh, one of the things that I think about this topic, I'm so glad everybody shared on work. It's like such a big part of, you know, our identity, you know. One of the things that helps me is when I wrote on it, one of the questions that it asks you about everything is what is your ambition? And I don't think ambition is so much getting ahead. Your ambition is what you expect out of it. Why do you go to work? Most people go to get paid and get money. I don't. I go to get kudos and be told how great I am. And, you know, and so because my ambition is all off, I'm just not going to sustain myself. I want to create many families, sisters, surrogate mothers. And, and because of that, it doesn't work. The other character defect that I have is that um, I want to go to your job. I want to be employed by you. I don't want to be a small business owner because that's pretty risky. I could lose everything. And I hear that, you know, you might have to work after hours if you own your own business <laughs> and put up with cranky customers and a lot of things, you know, do the books. And I'm very bad at detail oriented. So I want to work at your company so I can have security because I'm very security based. But then I want to tell you how to run the company because <laughs> I have a lot of good ideas and uh, my ideas are better than your. I should be in your job. I should be the boss. But then if, if being the boss means I have to work overtime, then that wouldn't be good. You know, so I want to play it both ways. And that is where we are told we are selfish and self-seeking. We want it both ways. That's the character defect, you know. So I have to, I have to realize, oh, yeah, my ambition is being met. 
The only reason I'm supposed to come here is to match some of my God-given talents with something the world needs, number one. That's the first reason I'm there. And number two is to get money. So if both of those things are met, why the hell am I complaining and kvetching and, you know, so much? And that really has helped me a lot to really get clear about what my purpose is in being there. And so thank you. Thank you all. You're just fabulous speakers. Okay, so to, to sum up before, whoops, before we close. Oh, also I want to make sure I get my pictures back. I think they're out there. Okay, thank you. Um, well, I'll show you. So, so I would encourage you, if you haven't already read the doctor's opinion in the big book, it's, you know, it's a Roman numeral thing, so it doesn't have a real page number. It has those little X's and V's and I's and stuff, which takes so much time to translate in our heads, at least in my head. Uh, I encourage you to read it because it's really, it's really simple. I mean, this program, they say it's, it's, it's simple, but it's not easy. And here's the simple part. We have an allergy. We have a, uh, the action of certain foods or food behaviors on people like us is a manifestation of an allergy. And when we have, oh, hold on, here's the other one. The, the body of the overeater is quite as abnormal as my mind. So we have this allergy this, this reaction to certain foods or food behaviors. And sometimes I struggle with the science and physiology of it because it's a little bit different for a compulsive overeater than for an alcoholic. Because the, for me, the, the, the craving kicks in with, I can't just say alcohol. I drink, so I can't say alcohol at all. But um, I, I can't always pinpoint what is it exactly that I'm allergic to. And why is it that a candy bar will make me want to have 15 more candy bars, but barbecue sauce won't make me want to have 15 more barbecue sauces? So it's not always the exact physical substance for me. So instead of trying to solve that, um, I decided that I don't have to actually understand the physiology in my brain. All I know is certain behaviors like progressive dinners, I'll start with this and I'll have this and I'll have this, make me want to keep on going uh, on certain foods, make me want to keep on going. And it kicks in this phenomenon of craving. And when I am hit with that phenomenon of craving and I try to win, I never do. I do not have the ability to overcome a craving for certain foods or certain behaviors. I don't. Not by myself. And I don't always have it. I mean, I don't always have it simply by praying either. Because for me, I have a filter. I have noise between me and God sometimes, or me and my higher power. So sometimes I have to call one of you because I believe that the power greater than myself speaks to me through you. Uh, so the key is to avoid that first bite, action, whatever, that kicks off the craving. If I'm craving free, I'm in pretty good shape. How do I not have that craving? How do I keep, I mean, sorry, how do I not have that first compulsive whatever, or even not compulsive whatever? How do I make that first mistake with food or with my behavior, compulsive or otherwise? How do I not do that? I work the steps, and I keep working the steps, and then I work them again, and I go to a meeting, and I say, oh, my gosh, this is what I want to eat, or this is what I ate last night. Last thing I'll say before we close 
that I forgot to say before is I'm wearing a couple of bracelets. One says action, one says honesty. The action faces me to remind me that I have to take action. The honesty faces out because I, I don't have to be reminded about it, but I like the world to see it. One of my, my sponsor tells me, or I've heard her say a number of times, that um, the most important thing to her and part of her abstinence is honesty. In my life, I would never tell you what I ate, what I weighed, or how much money I make. Well, right now I'm unemployed, so I don't make anything, so I can tell you that. Um, now I will tell you what I eat. I will tell you what I weigh because not being honest, holding in secrets, that's going to kill me. All right, I could keep on talking, but I'm not going to because it's now time to close this session. Please stand and join hands as we close. Do you all know I put my hand in yours? You know what's in the program? Let's, let's close with that because that's one of my favorites. So I'm going to come around. Keep coming back. It works. See, that shows I'm imperfect.